This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm a little biased. That's our grandson. So he, uh, he's, all, he's a senior and he wanted to do video announcements. He's got a lot of personality, so always has since he's been a little boy. How many parents sent kids to school for the first day of school this week? I know we had some different starting days, so are we happy about it? Yeah, they're probably a little tired, so we're going to get out on time tonight, okay? And you can get your little blessings home, get them in bed so they can wake up again and get that routine going, and you get them in bed on time. Hey, for offering tonight, um, all the four ways to give are up here on the screen, and uh, I just want to give you a praise report Um, I told you Sunday we prayed for uh, our team. I got to lead a team and take backpacks and thousands of dollars of school supplies down to uh, Bethel Orphanage in Juarez, Mexico. They depend on us. That's our one big thing. Our church supports them monthly. And we give, we, uh, I go five times a year and we take different things. We collect things at our women's events, but the backpacks and school supplies are very, very important because Josefina, the director, has always said, and it's the same thing in the States, an education is what will help you to rise above the poverty level, which all of the kids there have have come out of poverty. So it is the key to helping them. So our church got to take those and praise the Lord, we did not get stopped at the border. They waved us on through and we did not have to pay anything. They've been charging us the last few times for dumb things that we've taken, but praise the Lord. So thank you for giving faithfully. I'm gonna show you some pictures on Sunday so you'll have more, but I just wanted to give you that praise report. So thank you for giving so, so faithfully. Hey, our ushers are in the aisles. They have Bibles and they also have a little handout that I'm gonna be using tonight. I'm gonna go through. The reason I do this is so that you will write it and see it, hear it, and hopefully remember it a lot more. And you may have to refer back to this in the future. You'll have something to write down. So it's always a good idea to take notes, to have scriptures, um, so that you can be have the word of God in front of you when you need it. Remember this whole summer, our Thrive series, we've been talking about 3 John 2, that we would prosper and be in health. We know in our spirit But it says, even as your soul prospers, your mind, your will, your emotions. And we've talked about all those things. We've talked about financial health. If you were not here the week that Pastor Evan talked about finances, it was life-changing. If any of you are struggling with your finances, and we have all been there, we, I know you're probably tuning out that announcement, but that app that we're providing, the church is paying the majority of that. $100, I believe, for each of you. And you pay $25, and it will help you to get your money organized. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about emotional health. We've talked about physical health that we all deal with on a daily basis, spiritual health. And now, these next two weeks, we're going to talk about an area that affects every single one of us, and that's relational health health in all of our relationships. How many of you are in a relationship? Oh, you are. 
I'm not talking about just with your bay, okay? Your novia. There's a lot of relationships. Some of us are in a marital relationship. We're all in family relationships. And those look different all across the board. And we're in relationships with people at work. Some of you spend more time with your, your workmates than you do your family. And you need to know how to get along. And so we're gonna talk about relational health. So this can be applied all across the board. I'm gonna talk mainly and refer to family, but I want you to remember, I'm in a relationship with all the people that I'm around. And the Lord puts people in our path, sometimes for a season to be in relationship, and sometimes for a reason. And sometimes it's for us to grow, okay? The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron, and sometimes you're thinking that sword sometimes is going in our heart in that relationship. But let the Lord speak to you, and let's take these, these biblical principles and apply them to all of our relationships so that we can shine our light better. Because if we're not different from the world, church, why would they listen to the message of Christ? If they look at our lives and all we're doing is fighting with the people around us and being in drama all the time and not getting along and we go to work and talk about our husbands and tell how awful our kids are, why would people be drawn to Christ? Now, we're not going to be perfect ever on this side of heaven, but we can have a perfect heart and we can walk in biblical values and have a difference. And people will be like, hey, I know that happened to you, but there's a difference in your life. We have a family here, I told them I'd been praying for them. And their son committed suicide a few years ago. And I was praying for them because they've walked out that path and that's a difficult path. And they're still coming to church and they're still serving and they're still giving. And they're letting God work through them. That would be a big testimony to Christ. And I'm so proud of y'all. So let's get started tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would just teach all of us, God, how to be better human beings, how to love each other better, Lord, how to receive your love first into our hearts and love all the people you place us in relationship with. In Jesus' name. So um, the term dysfunction is used a lot when we refer to relationships. And dysfunction could be the result of a lot of things. It could be the result of divorce in your family. It could be the result of all kinds of abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, there's spiritual abuse when people have been abused by pastors and different people in spiritual authority over them. There is uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse. There could be spousal abuse. Um, there may be extramarital affairs that... Um, have happened that damage relationships, pornography, rivalry among children. I've seen that over and over in families, how the siblings don't get along, um, self-consumed parents, addictions, all kinds of things can uh, really be the cause of this term dysfunction. And one of the dynamics, whether we like it or not, in our families is that when children go up, grow up, they often repeat 
those same patterns in their own life. Sad but true. And most of what we know from marriage and parenting, we learned from our parents. And unless you renew your mind to the word of God, you're going to repeat a lot of those same patterns. But this, that's why the Bible talks over and over about renewing our mind, getting the word in us so that we don't have to repeat all those same patterns that our families have of dysfunction. And because you know, dysfunctional families breed dysfunctional families and it goes generation after generation. We have to start looking, church, at every decision we make in the long term. So many times the devil tries to just get us to look right now. Let me just eat this Big Mac right now and let me just eat all these bad things right now and I never look in the long term, what is that gonna do to my health? I'm gonna blow up and be ugly to the people around me because I've had a bad day and I just feel like venting. We don't, we're not looking in the long term that that can do damage. When children grow up and all they know is someone yelling at them and telling them they're not worth anything, Church, that is dysfunction, and that affects them long-term. And we've got to begin to think long-term. What we choose today affects our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. Now, I talked about this um, back in this series, Exodus 34. Remember, it talked about that generational blessings and curses go to the third and fourth generation, sadly. And so we've gotta be very careful that the decisions we make in our relationships are making good ones. And let me just stop right here and say, none of us have been perfect, and we all can learn from the, our mistakes of the past. Anybody had any bad relationship uh, decisions? Yes. But thank God, there is, his mercies are new every morning. And he can start changing. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk about some biblical principles to help us, okay? And God wants to, where Satan has tried to break apart families, God wants to knit us together with love. We're going to talk tonight about the ties of love. Paul wrote this, look up here at this scripture, Colossians 2, verses 1 and 2 Paul wrote this, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. He's agonized. What was he agonizing over? Look at verse two. He said, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. That's what Paul was agonizing over. Then look at what Jesus said in the next scripture in Mark chapter 12. Jesus said this, they, they were asking him, which of the commandments are the most important out of the 600 and something commandments from the Old Testament? They said, which one is most important? Verse 29 says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's good. That's number one. Love the Lord. Verse 31 says, the second is equally important. 
love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So on your paper, our number one thing in life is to love God and to love others. This should be our motivation in life, love, loving people. It's what are gonna keep our family strong from the pressures that are going on every single day. You sent kids to school, guess what? They need to learn how to love those who are unloving. Those that maybe some, the world doesn't love. They need to learn to love people. Have healthy boundaries, and we're going to talk about that next week. But love people. And Matthew, this same scripture is quoted, and it says we're to love others as we love ourselves. See, we receive God's love. God gives his love to us. We receive it, and then we have something to give to the people around us. Notice. We don't have anything to give if we haven't received his love first and we love ourselves. And that's a process. Some of us are stuck right here because we haven't received his love yet. We got to accept it. I am loving. I am loved by God. I'm valuable. I'm cherished. Then we have something to give and to tie that love to other people. So there's some things we can do to help keep our relationships strong and tied together in love. We're going to real quick talk about them. Number one, respect and honor each other. In relationships, this is super, super important. Respect and honor. Now, if you go to any of our marriage uh, conferences, you're going to hear this a lot. Men need respect. Respect to them is the word love. Women think, oh no, I'm gonna love him. He, really, he wants that love through respect. And every relationship should be built on this, not just men, everybody desires to be respected and honored. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in showing honor to each other. See, when we delight in honoring each other, it boosts that, that feeling of value. They feel valued. When someone honors you, your boss honors you, just think, how does that make you feel? You're like, wow, you can stand a little, little taller. When your teacher writes a little note on your thing, great writing. I know some teachers, they have those little journals. I love it because I've heard of some kids that have had very difficult home lives. And the teacher would just have a little, you know, a little composition book, and each kid had their own. And like the first five minutes of class, the kid would go get theirs off the shelf, and she would tell them, just, you can tell me anything, and it's just between me and you. And then they would put it back on the shelf, and the teacher at some point would read it. And I know a girl, we had a young girl live with us for a period of time during her senior year of high school and had a, had a very difficult childhood. And she would tell me about this teacher. And the teacher would write little notes in there, little encouraging notes. And just show honor that I hear you, I see you. Nobody else in that class may have ever known what she had been through. But that teacher respecting her story and hearing it and honoring her, man, because some of you are like, oh, I'm not real good at words. Guess what? You can teach yourself, 
start by writing it. Because you know when you write something, you have, you have time to think about it. You could text someone something encouraging, something honoring. Just think of how it makes you feel and apply that to all the relationships in your life. So respect and honor each other. Number two, second tie of love. Keep commitments to build trust. That's a big word in relationships is trust. Why is keeping our commitments and honoring our promise is so important because we all tend to construct our hopes around promises. Y'all know we all need hope. We, it, we're not, why would we want to go on living? Why would we think about tomorrow if we have no hope that for better days? When people give up hope, they might as well go home and be with Jesus because they're not going to be happy anymore. So we construct all of our hopes around trusting that someone is going to keep those commitments they made. That's what we construct our, our hope around, is that trust. See, husbands and wives, when was the last time you revisited the vows that you made to each other? See, because a man gets up and at the ceremony and they promise to love their, their wife. The wife promises to, you know, honor and respect her husband till death do you part. And do we actually go on past the wedding day and apply that to our life? We just got to do Pastor Sidney and Justin's wedding last week. It was very sweet. The vows, watching them make those vows, those commitments to each other. And you've got to be able to trust someone in a relationship. When we keep our commitments, we keep, we say, we're going to do this. We do it. That builds trust. And how many of you know, trust lost takes a lot harder time to build back up. Those of you with teenagers, you can say yes because they can lose trust very quickly and then they're like, well, you know, give me the car keys. Even though they may have just got a ticket last week. You're like, no, you gotta build that trust back by being trustworthy and keeping the commitments that you've made. You know, we have a marriage retreat every year that we advertise those of you that are married. I encourage you, start saving now and make a commitment to go. How many of you have been? I see a couple of you shaking your heads. You know what we do at the end of that every year? We renew our vows. Because you know this world is trying to tear families apart and say, it, no, you don't have to be married. Don't have to be faithful. We pledge. We, we renew that commitment, that vow that we make that I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to keep my commitments so that we can trust each other. See, how can we, I mean, some of us, some of you are having difficulty trusting God, that he's gonna keep his commitments. We gotta get our hearts right and trust him. Trust is built in relationships. That's one of the key things that we tie ourselves together in love. See, when we keep our commitments, it builds trust. And trust is that firm foundation upon which a family is built. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all 
kinds of trouble. Our families should be able to trust that we're going to stick with them. Have y'all ever been through a hard time? Guess what? If you haven't been today, probably tomorrow there's going to be a test. There's going to be a hard time. And you can do hard things. You can get through hard times when you make that commitment. We're going to stick together. We're going to trust each other and love each other. All right, number three. Value each other by listening and understanding. That's our third tie of love in relationships. Value each other by listening and understanding. This is one of my life verses, and there may be some of you out there like me that need to memorize this. James 1.19, understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to, y'all say it out loud, listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to what? Get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Do you know that this is how God deals with us? We should make a commitment that we deal with our family and we deal with our friends and we deal with our coworkers in the same way that God deals with us. When we make a mistake, does God come up and badmouth us? Does he smack us around and say, come on, you know better than that? Or does he treat us with grace and say, I know you can do better. Let's try again. How about we be that kind of people in relationships? That we are the givers of second chances. We're the givers of third chances and fourth chances. And we're the believers for better days because anyone can change you know that right anyone can change now again the balance to this I'm going to talk about next week which is healthy boundaries we're going to but let us be the ones that are quick to listen to people listening and understanding what they've been through that's half the battle I know a lot of people that were abused when they begin to go through counseling And they realize that they get to the point in counseling and they're like, let's say their father sexually abused them. And they get to the point where they're like, you know what? He was abused himself, I'm sure. And a compassion comes on them that they begin, there's an understanding that, you know what? He was hurting himself. Doesn't qualify it. Never justifies it. Abuse is never right. But when we understand someone, it softens our heart. And we can pray for them more effectively. So slow to, quick to hear, slow to speak, and, and let God give us understanding. So here's a, a big tip. Never allow your family to think that your love is conditional to their behavior. We had to work on this a lot. We've never told a lot of people about all that we went through with one of our children, not our daughter here, <laughs> but one of our children. There were a lot. We have a lot of stories. Some, I always said, someday I should write a book because there was a lot of things that happened. And there would have been very easy to say, 
you know what? Just get out. We don't love you anymore. Because there was a lot of disrespect and there was a lot of unloving things that were done. But we never let that child think that our love could, would change according to his behavior. And there were some behaviors that for many years were di very difficult. But we still loved them unconditionally because that's how God loves us. And love, what does the Bible say? Covers a multitude of sin. Love covers all. And love will, love's the only thing that lasts in our world. So what does it mean to understand another person. It means to make what is important to the other person as important to you as the other person is to you. In other words, you make what is important to them important to you. Why? Because you value them. That's part of understanding. See, my husband loves to play golf. He goes and plays golf. I don't want to go play golf. I try. It's super awkward the way you have to hold that. Some of y'all went. The marriage thing uh, was at four golf. You may have gone. I just always feel like it's so weird how you have to hold all that. But I listen to his stories. He comes home and he tells me, I did this and Gary shot this. And, and he tells me about his buddies that he plays with and what his score was. I'm like, that's awesome. And I listen to it because I love him. And I'm making what's important to him important to me. And so that's how we show value and we show understanding. We listen to people. I'm not on my phone while he's talking. Because some of us are really bad. We get a notification and we're like, it's like squirrel. You think you have to go and answer it right away. You don't. When you're with someone, give them your time. Give them understanding and listen to them. All right, where are we at? Oh, here's a good story. There was a man whose son got really interested in the sport of hockey. We don't see that a lot here. But his son just loved hockey. And the man didn't care anything about it. But one year, he took his son to as many hockey games as they could. They just went to all of these hockey games. And guess what? It was a strong bonding experience for them. And one of his friends asked him after that year, he's like, man, you must really like hockey a lot. And he said, no, I don't, but I like my son a lot. See, he was making his son feel important by understanding what was important to him. So how do we develop this understanding spirit? Make the time to really get to know each other, really listen to each other. How many of y'all have ever taken a personality test? If you haven't, you probably should because... It will really help you in your relationships. When we took one years into our marriage, it was kind of like we both went, oh, that's why he does that. Oh, that's why she does that. It really helped us to understand God made every single person different. 
and with different personalities. Some of you are extroverts. You love to be the life of the party. You get energized being around people. Some of you, I know why you go to first service on Sundays. Because it's quiet. You're like, I can come in and not many people there. Maybe they won't hug me today. Because you're an introvert. You're more of that homebody. And you know what God's sense of humor is. He likes to put opposites together. Example A, here. Okay? And, but really getting to know each other will help in relationships. All right, number four. Encourage one another. Fourth tie of love is encourage one another. That's one of the easiest ways to grow a relationship is to offer encouragement. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. It's biblical to encourage each other. The message version of this scripture says, so speak encouraging words to one another. Speak encouraging words to one another. How many of you does that come natural to you? You're a natural encourager. Yeah, my mother-in-law, my son-in-law. Some of you, you raised your hand. I'm not, so I have to think about it. I have, the Lord has, has developed this gift in me. And he will help you to be able to do this because he said we should do this. This was a scriptural mandate. So guess what? If you're not real good at it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. We should be the ones supporting our people in, we're in relationship with, especially our families, our children, our spouse. We should be the ones encouraging them. Follow the dreams that God's put in your heart. I love, I mean, encouraging our teenagers, our young adults, because they're in, at that cusp of life where they're trying to figure out who am I and what am I supposed to do? If we're not telling them, if we're not encouraging them, who is? Who's speaking into their lives? That God made you, uh, he made you a godly man. Who's speaking into them? You are a, a great woman of God. There's a girl at the jail, a woman at the jail, and every time she's, I could tell you a lot of stories, but she shaves her head. And she has a very girly name. So, I mean, you know, sometimes we know we're in the women's pod. They're separated. But we went in and she did not act like a female. She has a very girly name, though. And we just got to know her. In fact, she got put in the shoe, which is where you get put at, uh, isolation for fighting. She likes to fight with other people, other women. And she got put in there and she got filled with the Holy Spirit. She had a visitation from Jesus. Got filled with the Holy Spirit all by herself in isolation. She's come back. She's been in various pods and she always ends up back in our pod. The Lord is on her. He has his hand on her. But I started speaking over her because she struggled with her sexuality. And so every time I see her, I say, I call her by name and I say, you're a woman of God. You're a woman of God. And she told me she was going to let her hair grow out. But then I went back a couple weeks later and she had shaved her head again. And I said, why'd you shave your head? 
She's like, oh, I just got, again, those old ways. And I said, you're a woman of God. See, I'm gonna encourage her. The people around us need us to call out the things of God in them. That's a big thing in relationships is encouraging each other. There's plenty of people out there tell, discouraging and telling them you can't do it and you're not this and you're not that. Let's be the cheerleaders in each other's lives, right? You remember cheerleaders when I go to my grandkids' games? I mean, the cheerleaders are all happy and they're cheering the team on. You can do it. They get up to shoot a free throw. You know, you can do it. Rebound. Let's be the cheerleaders in each other's lives. Let's be the encouragers and call out the good in each other in relationships. How do we encourage one another? By our words, actions, and our attitudes. Words, actions, we follow through. It's not just our words, but we follow through with actions and our attitudes. We approve of people. I could have looked at that girl at the jail and been like, Why'd you do that again? But I didn't. I touched her by the sh on her shoulder and said, you're a woman of God. Our words, our attitudes, our actions, those things mean something and can change people's lives. And by pointing out the positive. Okay, number five. Ask for and offer forgiveness. Anyone who lives in a family knows anyone in any kind of relationship anyone who has a job anyone around any other person knows we're going to get hurt sometimes and we're going to be disappointed by people and we're going to need to forgive one happy couple who'd been married for 54 years were asked what's the secret to your long-lasting relationship and they said you overlook a lot of little things and you forgive each other. That's in every relationship. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you, say it with me, must forgive others. Do we have a choice? Are we justified ever not forgiving? We're not. He said, you must forgive others. Because, you know why? Because we've experienced forgiveness. We did not deserve what Christ did for us. But he forgave us and he said, in that same way, you forgive others. Doesn't say what. Forgiveness is never saying what you did was right. Forgiveness is getting it out of my heart. Is not carrying that bitterness around with me anymore. There's a story. This is a Spanish story from the country of Spain. Of a father and a son who had become estranged. The son ran away and the father set off to find him. He searched for months and months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate attempt to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, 
Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Families today are filled with people who desperately need reconciliation. Desperately. My family needs reconciliation. I have nephews that I have not seen in many, many years. I pray for them. One lives on the streets. And I pray for him all the time. Haven't seen him since he showed up at his, my sister's funeral. Late. Missed the whole funeral. Families desperately long for reconciliation. And here's the good point. There are times that we will just have to decide to let the past be in the past and release it so we can step into the future that God has for us. See, we release, we let go of the forgiveness or the unforgiveness. We release whatever it is because you're tied to them as long as you haven't forgiven. You're tied. It's like a tying you to them. But when we release that and say, God, I give it to you, guess what? We're free to step into the future God has, and we're freeing them to step into the future God has for them. Some of you need to experience that same kind of forgiveness that Paco had from God. And guess what? God has sent a love letter to you called Jesus. And all you have to do is receive that love and that forgiveness. The last thing and the most important is to make Christ the cornerstone. Make Christ the cornerstone. A cornerstone means the chief foundational stone. The thing upon which the whole thing is built. Ephesians 2, 20 and 21 says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Our houses must be built on Christ. Our lives have to be built on Christ. That's the only hope we have. About a week and a half ago, maybe close to two weeks tomorrow, uh, my mom called me and said, y'all need to come over. They live in Clovis. Uh, my stepdad had been given uh, not a good report. And she said, he wants to talk to you both and get things right with the Lord. Well, he was put on hospice. And so we went and we got to go back and talk to him. And there was a fear in him of dying. And so we talked him through. I, I told him, you've given your heart to Jesus. And he said, I just want to make sure. So Stormy and I prayed with him. He rededicated his life to the Lord. And there was a peace that came over him. It was so sweet. 
And since that time, he's had a peace. What he's dealing with isn't fun. End of life things are not fun. But there's a peace because Christ is the cornerstone. So I want you to lay your paper aside and stand up. And I want you to look in your own heart. And first off, I want to ask, is Christ the cornerstone of your heart? I know we've, I mean, 30 people, I think, came down Sunday when Matt got up and talked and offered. But we all have times that we've walked away from the Lord. If we have not had Christ as the cornerstone, I want you to raise up your hand and say, from this day on, Christ will be the cornerstone of my life and my family. Raise up your hand if that's you. Say, Jesus, say this with me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my family. Be the cornerstone. I can't do it by myself. I need the hope that only you can bring. And I receive all that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.